And welcome back. Another edition of the podcast with Athletic Director of our Rice House, Joe Carlgard. How are you? I'm doing well, JP. It's, uh, it's springtime. Uh, the flowers are blooming. Everything's positive and optimistic for a great 2020 here at Rice. It's the big crossover season as well. November is also busy, but did not want to leave the uh, past behind because there were some uh, positives to uh, discuss uh, in the fall sports uh, recap since we haven't been together since uh, uh, mid-fall. But uh, what were your reactions? Uh, Obviously, a lot of uh, good things and a lot of good things to improve on with football winning the last three games, I know, too. Yeah, I mean, I think in talking about the fall sports, you really have to lead with what volleyball did. Uh, Just a a terrific season. Um, You know, putting themselves in a position with aggressive non-conference scheduling to be an at-large selection for the NCAA tournament, that's – we'd love all our sports to be in that position. Uh, You know, we've talked about the historic win over Texas here, but, you know, also – playing TCU and just really going out and, and scheduling aggressively. And then um, having a chance to be an at-large selection, being within a hair's breadth of, uh, of hosting a regional and then beating Oklahoma in the first round. I mean, I, I just couldn't be more proud of, of what that program's done over the last couple of years. And so certainly they, you know, they deserve uh, kind of the headline of, of fall sports here at Rice. But, you know, football uh, finished the year strong. I think um, – you know, th- three straight wins, all in conference. Uh, I was really, really pleased with the progress that they made. You know, if you look at common opponents from last season, meaning 2018 season to this season, 2019 season, and then just look at the scores, I mean, the score differential is closed. That gap is closed greatly. Um, and so, you know, that's a positive sign. We're better offensively, better defensively against those common opponents. Um, and we've got you know, you've probably seen some of the ESPN stats out there about uh, returning production. So, um, you know, there's reason to be really optimistic about the upcoming season for football. Uh, soccer, you know, just couldn't be more proud of, of our new staff and what they accomplished in, in tandem with the seniors uh, on this team in particular. Just a great group of young women. Uh, and, you know, had some success at the conference tournament, and I know we'll have even more uh, in the future under Brian's uh, leadership. And then, uh, you know, Grace Forbes, uh, we'll talk about her uh, fall, winter, and spring as a three-sport athlete in cross-country, indoor, and outdoor track. She had a great fall uh, getting an at-large selection to the NCAAs in women's cross-country. And, you know, uh, leading into the winter here uh, has just been a phenomenal performer on the track as well. Coming up in just a few moments, we have a new president for the OUT Club, and that is the one and only Gary Childs. So even though it doesn't seem like it always in Houston, some days, some days not, but uh, the winter is upon us right now. But uh, overall winter sports updates, and as we be- begin a spring sport with uh, with baseball too, but with the uh, two basketball seasons, uh, obviously some success with the women, but uh, the men are improving, but also like you, you mentioned a tidbit there, indoor uh, track and field and women swimming as well. Yeah, so our, our you know we've got a couple of sports uh, in, in both indoor – uh, tracks and then women's swimming that'll have their conference championships contested by the end of the month. And, uh, you know, they'll be all, uh, all be in contention for top spots uh, at the conference level uh, as teams. And, you know, their consistent performance. Seth Houston's uh, swim program is uh, maybe the most consistent performer uh, at Rice. They just do, Seth does a great job. Uh, the women do a great job. Uh, they work really hard. They go to Atlanta, interestingly, for their conference championship and swim at Georgia Tech. Uh, it's a pool that can accommodate our conference championships. So, 
you know, it's it's one of those conference championships that's not hosted by a conference school, but uh, they'll they'll finish out here at the end of the month with the conference championships, and then uh, both indoor track teams um, are you know are looking for some really good performances there. And then you mentioned women's basketball. Uh, you know, we won 30 straight conference USA games. It's it's really hard to to believe that that's true, but uh, got off to a great start this year. Um, you know, had a, a rough road trip this last weekend, but if there's any pr program that we have in this athletic department that I have great confidence in moving forward, it's women's basketball and the great leadership that they have. And then the men have won four out of five, um, you know, are in a position uh, where I think, you know, they've got a really good chance to make the conference tournament. And if you think about it, JP, against the top pod in Conference USA, the top five teams, we're three and two mm -hmm. against those teams. We seem to play our best basketball against the best teams. And so that, if you get into tournament play, you know, we could be a dangerous team, uh, particularly if we shoot it well. So uh, winter sports, um, you know, it's all going to be wrapped up here in another month or so, but uh, really proud of the progress they've made. And I was trying to – not that fans were banging down my broadcast booth, but uh, with these series against Texas not going the way we wanted to, to say, hey, if you win all three of those, it's still a really long season. But just uh, year two is – Matt Braga and his program is upon us. Uh, speak to that if you don't mind. And, of course, with tennis um, off to the races and golf, too. Well, I mean, every game that you play, you want to win. That's the objective of every game. Uh, you know, there's some things we don't know. Uh, three games into a 56-game season, we, we don't know how good Texas will be. They made the College World Series two years ago. They didn't make the postseason last year and had some injuries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as I look at it and kind of observe what I saw this last weekend, I thought we pitched pretty well. Yeah. Uh, we threw a lot of arms, you know, more than we did last year, and, and I really thought the guys stepped up and, and, and pitched pretty well. And um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if we get some folks back from injury, uh, we'll have some top-end pitching, and it looks like we'll be a little bit deeper on the mound this year than maybe we were last year. And then offensively, it was just the consistency, you know, uh, getting uh, timely hits in the right places. And, and we may have seen a different outcome, particularly on Sunday. But um, I, I like the attitude of the guys. They seem to really be in, enjoying themselves. I thought we looked great defensively. I think Coach Bragg is a, just an absolutely phenomenal coach. And so... Um, it's a long season, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to make any predictions after three games, but, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm confident that, uh, that we'll be all right in baseball and then tennis, uh, you know, the women are just really consistent, high performers, uh, contenders for conference championships. If they're healthy, um, you know, as we saw last year, uh, out in Austin, you know, they've, they've got a great chance, uh, to go deep in the NCAA tournament. And uh, they were they were pretty close to making it past that first round and, you know, losing to A&M. But then A&M made the Sweet 16. So really excited about that. And then the men haven't been quite healthy either. Um, but, you know, if, if we've got thin margins for error here at Rice and if, sure. if we've got uh, all of our athletes on, on the courts or fields or tracks um, at, at the same time, we tend to be, uh, you know, tend to have a chance. And so um, that'll be the key for, for tennis. And then golf. You know, they've got a fall season, as does tennis, uh, but they're just getting geared up now for their spring season. They had a late start to their tournament this morning because of some fog, but um, the spring championship's coming up here before you know it, and, and we expect them to, to compete for a conference title as well.
This would not be a podcast if I did not have a facilities question, right? Sure. <laughs> um, but, but I know that recently the Waltrip uh, indoor training facility uh, ground was broken for it. So discuss what that could benefit, um, not just uh, football and soccer, I know, which has been talked about, but has a broad use, I would imagine, around campus. Yeah, so we're, we're actually putting the grade beam in right now, uh, which will be the foundation for the facility itself. Uh, we hope, weather dependent, that we'll have this ready to go by mid-May. Uh, you know, the, the rain holding off will help us in that regard. Um, and then, you know, in terms of usage, uh, our varsity uh, teams, particularly our field sports, will probably benefit the most. Um, but I see intramurals, club sports being able to use this. I know club rugby uh, has great interest. Um, and really, it's, it's, it's our goal to turn this into an asset for the entire campus. I think if you're going to um, take up that much land uh, on a campus that is, you know, losing space, uh, that it needs to be an asset for everybody. And so it's our objective to make sure that our students uh, and departments across campus are able to use it for events that are appropriate. On the fundraising side of things, I know we have our, uh, our guest, uh, Mr. Childs, coming up here in just a second. But uh, speak to the new giving deadline. I know that has been uh, a big importance to you all. Yeah, so uh, we do have a new Owl Club board. I'm, I'm fired up to talk to Gary here in a few minutes. Um, uh, he'll do a great job leading that group uh, alongside Shu. Um, in terms of the, the giving deadline, so uh, for benefits this year for parking and hospitality benefits for football, we, we do have a deadline of April 30th. You know, and that's just intended to try and give our ticket sales staff and our Owl Club staff more freedom to go out and find new people to engage with us. So if you're, if you're somebody who has engaged with us in the past, please meet that deadline, which will free up our people to go out and try and grow our base. And with it being Black History Month, um, what are some of the ways that uh, you're involved with that effort on campus? Yeah, so February is Black History Month. Um, we've partnered with Aruba uh, on some things. Uh, we had a, a, a men's basketball game here at the beginning of the month against North Texas, uh, where we recognized uh, the sort of the kickoff to Black History Month here on campus. Uh, Tim Harrison, who most folks know, a senior basketball player, has been president of the Black Male Leadership Initiative over the course of the last year. He and I have uh, had uh, I guess for a while it was monthly lunches uh, at the Cohen House just to discuss ways that that um, that he's engaging with campus and that that we can be uh, better serving our student athletes, particularly our student athletes of color. I've really enjoyed getting to know Tim better, and and he's got a bright future ahead of him uh, as he closes the book on his Rice career. And then uh, you know finally uh, Casey and Wade, uh, who's a, a female track and field student athlete, uh, will be. The, uh, honored at the Black Excellence Gala on March 6th as the outstanding student athlete. And so we're really proud of her and her accomplishments. But it's a great month to celebrate black history here at Rice. Yeah, I don't know KC personally, but uh, Tim, I've gotten to know over the years, he's going to be running company or companies uh, here in the next uh, couple of decades no or doubt. so. Great, great asset here at Rice. Stay tuned. Coming up here on the podcast, we are pleased to have our guests uh, for this podcast, pr new president of the Owl Club, Gary Child. Stay with us. We're back on this episode of the podcast with uh, Gary Childs, Rice Class of 86. Gary, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. 
So um, you've been involved with Rice for, for quite a long time. Um, why don't you give us a little bit about your background and how you became uh, a supporter of the athletic department? Sure. Well, so I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, where the University of Oklahoma is, and I was always a fan of Sooner Athletics. And when I came to Rice for college, I was kind of looking forward to that same experience at Rice, and it certainly didn't let me down. Um, so I was in Weiss College, and one of the great things about Rice is that I got to know the student-athletes through living in the same college with them. But I was a big fan of Rice football and basketball, volleyball, baseball, all those things. Um, after I left Rice, I went lived on the East Coast for a while. And then around the late 90s, I decided I want to move back to Houston. And primarily that was because I was uh, still connected to Rice in a lot of ways. A lot of my friends still lived here in Houston. And so when I came back to, to, to Houston in the late 90s, I started to reconnect with Rice and got season tickets again. And um, one of the unintended consequences of that was that I also met my future wife, Amy Sutton, uh, who had also moved back to Houston about that time. And now we both share this love of Rice and Rice Athletics and all things Rice. And uh, you know, so we're here on campus every week for something, an event or a game or something. Now, after an extensive recruitment process, uh, you recently agreed to be uh, president of the Owl Club board. Uh, talk to us about why you decided to take on the role and what your expectations are of the Owl Club moving forward. Yes, well, uh, it is kind of an odd fit because I'm, I'm not a student athlete. I'm just a fan, but I think that's a good case for the Owl Club, right, is that we're not all just former student athletes, letter winners on, on the Owl Club. I uh, was approached last summer by Shu Muthiala and Rick Mello in the athletic department to try, try and talk with them about having rethinking the Owl Club and, and thinking kind of structurally about how the Owl Club would set up. And through that, we went worked through a series of kind of documents back and forth, and then we had a working group uh, that we had in the late summer, early fall. And then as that evolved, uh, Rick and Shu just kind of said, well, why don't you run this thing for a while? And I have a background, I'm, I'm recently retired, I have a background with nonprofit boards. I run a couple of uh, nonprofit boards in Houston and have had a lot of Rice volunteer experience, so I'm definitely familiar with the way that Rice volunteer organizations work, and so I thought that was a good fit. Um, and, you know, going forward, I guess uh, where I'd like to, to see the Owl Club go and where I think we're going with this is, is that we're really trying to emphasize, um, and, and part of the, the process of setting up the Owl Club was trying to emphasize the connection to the strategic plan and the vision for victory for the athletic department. So we've aligned the OWL Club. It's a large group that has a bunch of committees, and those committees are aligned along the, the goals of the vision for victory. So we have a committee on letter winners and a committee on student-athlete engagement and a committee on community involvement. And so those are smaller groups, and I've found through my experience that that's really the way to make things happen, is you can't really get things done when you've got a group of 25 or 30 people. You've got to be working in smaller groups. So, so that's kind of the structure that we have in place. And I think we're also trying to be very open and welcoming to the whole community, so we're looking at having a, a very broad cross-section of people make up the board, and it includes all different age groups, uh, people who are alums, people who are not alums, people who just live in the neighborhood. We've even got some representatives from some of the corporate sponsors who are going to be on the board. Um, so we're going to get a lot of different perspectives on, on Rice and being a Rice fan. So, you know, as I think about um, uh, what you bring to the table and, and uh, throughout our conversations about the Owl Club and Rice Athletics, um, you know, in, in your own mind, why should people give to the Owl Club? Or, or maybe if you want to frame it a different way, why do you give? 
That's well, actually, that's exactly the way I would think about it. Is is that there are lots of different reasons, and so it's all going to be kind of personal. And I, I can talk about why I give. Uh, certainly, I give because I think back at my experience with rice, and clearly, my association with rice is transformative. You know, I would not be where I am today if I had not made that decision in the spring of 1982 to come to Rice for college. And while I was not a student athlete, when I've, I've gotten the chance through the Owl Club and through Rice Athletics to get to know a, a lot of the current and former student athletes, and I can see that they're having that same experience that I had, that they, they're appreciating that Rice is really giving them opportunities. And so when I think about the Owl Club, you know, the Owl Club is kind of the first best way for us to help make that happen, to help those current student athletes to have those opportunities and those experiences. And then even to carry it further, you know, we're getting better at what the way we do things. So the, the vision for victory has a lot of very specific ideas about how to improve the student athlete experience that are going to need the support of the Owl Club and of donors. And so some of those things are things like improvements in nutrition and academic advising, professional development, uh, financial literacy, uh, using advanced analytics and all these other things that are going to require additional investments into rights athletics, and that's a role for the Owl Club to play. So I get this question all the time uh, from people when they, you know, they want to know how they can help. And the Owl Club usually is the first place I go. I say, you know, why don't you contribute to the Owl Club as you're able? Um, but I'm wondering for you as, as you see people engaging with the Owl Club board, what are other ways besides financial that they might be able to contribute to what you guys are doing? Well, we always wanted to hold that out for people because, you know, that, that's, the, that's life these days is that every organization is going to come to you with their hand out saying, we just want you to make a donation. And we certainly want your donation. We appreciate your donation. But we've also tried to set up the Owl Club so that it's not just about the fundraising, that it's about getting involvement and engagement with the Owl Club and the, and the Rice fan base to helping support athletics. And so uh, there are a lot of opportunities in terms of just even just attending a Rice Athletic event, you know, that's one way you can help participate. Is we need all the fans we can get in the stands. Um, bringing a friend to that, making, uh, you know, talking to your friends about uh, the fun you had when you go to a Rice football game or a Rice basketball game. Um, certainly, social media is a great way to participate. There's a lot of activity now on social media with Rice Athletics that you can you can get involved in the community that way. And then, of course, the more specific things are that. Um, Rice Athletics has set up a new program called SOAR, which I encourage everybody to go look into on the Rice website. And that's a, a place where Rice alums and Rice fans can connect to student athletes and provide mentoring opportunities and, and, and help work those issues through for student athletes that need to learn how to navigate life and get you know, what life is going to be like after Rice. So lots of different opportunities out there, I think. You, uh, you mentioned making that decision in the spring of 82 to come to Rice, and so you've witnessed many, many different Rice uh, athletics uh, victories and losses over the course of your lifetime. Uh, do you have a favorite Rice athletics memory, one that stands out in particular? Well, I've, there are definitely a couple, I can say. Um, I'll go to recent history, and I, I, I was at the, the Rice volleyball game last fall when we beat number three ranked Texas in five sets, and that was the most exciting <laughs> event I've ever been to in Tudor Fieldhouse that I can think of, certainly in recent history. Um, and then you go back a little bit, and I, I remember sitting in the stands and, and cheering Rice, the Rice football team on against Marshall in the Conference USA championship game in the coldest day in Rice State <laughs> history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
So, but then, and then if you go back even further, my Rice history extends to, you know, certainly the College World Series victory in 2003, which I was watching from a sports bar in Oklahoma City when I was on a business trip. So I wasn't in Omaha, but I certainly was at a lot of those games that year. And then finally, you know, certainly going all the way back to the big Texas football game in 1994, that Sunday night ESPN game, where coincidentally I was also watching from a hotel room in Oklahoma City. So there's something about Oklahoma City and, and big sports victories for Rice that, um, that I've enjoyed that. So, um, yeah, a lot of great victories, you know, that I've, I've been able to experience either firsthand or through, through television or, or being as close as I can get to it. Is there anything about our future that, that really gets you excited? Oh, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, the, one of the reasons why I moved back to Houston was to be able to get closer to Rice. And so I've had a chance to get to know people in the athletics department, both on the, the coaching and the administrative sides. And I'm really excited about what's going on really across the board. And so I think we've got great opportunities going forward to just to establish dominance in women's basketball and volleyball. Um, I'm excited about, I think we're, so soccer is going to be able to go the next few years. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, cha the more challenging, the revenue sports are, are things where I think we've got the right pieces in place. It's just going to take us a while to get there, I think. But I think I've got confidence that our football and basketball and baseball are, have good leaders and, and we're moving in the right direction there. So I'm, I'm ready to ride that ride up with those programs. Well, Gary, we're very appreciative of your leadership of the Owl Club Board and, and appreciative of you and Amy and the contributions you've made to Rice Athletics. So thanks for stopping by the podcast. Sure. Thank you. All right, this is a really fun portion of the podcast. If you have not been around before, Joe takes our questions, uh, questions from you all, the listeners. I should be specific. Yes, I am asking the questions, but if you'd like to ask questions for a future podcast, riceathletics at rice.edu. Uh, the first one, very topical for this uh, winter time of year with uh, the basketball tournament uh, coming nigh upon us, but uh, number one, is the flex basketball schedule working uh, for Conference USA, uh, do you think we'll see the rankings increase for the top programs uh, to get a second team in the tournament? And uh, are there any other conferences that are adopting this approach? So we, we uh, agreed a couple of years ago to try this uh, in hopes that either we would be able to position a team for an at-large bid. Uh, you know, if we had a highly ranked team that somehow didn't win the conference tournament, that they'd be in a better position to get an at-large or secondarily that our, our conference champion would be seated better than they have in the last couple of years, which has tr typically been kind of that 14-15 line. And amazingly, we've won those games in spite of that. Um, I would say the first year provided scant evidence that the pod schedule works. Uh, you know, we're not finished with year two, so I, I don't want to comment too much on it. Um, I do think that if we conclude that it's not working, that it's unlikely that we'll see a third year of it. But, you know, that'll be discussed this spring by the athletics directors. I don't think there are any other conferences that are going to use this approach. I think it was a, you know, it was an experiment by Conference USA. And there are tried and true uh, tactics that we could employ moving forward uh, in terms of non-conference scheduling and some parameters around that that I think may do more to improve uh, our conference net ranking uh, at the end of the year. Number two has to do with football, which Joe addressed earlier, but uh, football made considerable improvements, at least from a ranking perspective, uh, in the most recruiting class. What do you believe 
uh, drove the improved results. And with the class ranked 93, what is the expectation for how high the football program can go in the recruiting rankings? This is probably uh, what you would expect me to say, but it's obviously not our objective to to be as high as we can in the recruiting rankings. I mean, our objective is to win football games. And and you can say that one flows into the other, but there's a lot of evidence out there of, of schools that do – that find the right kids for them and for their system and don't rank so highly in the recruiting rankings that, that do very well on the field. You know, I think about a school like Wisconsin that typically is outside of the top 25 in recruiting rankings, but inside the top 25 at the end of every season. And it's because they find the right kids for their system. And so um, I would say that I think our, our, improve, uh, our improved rankings in recruiting has had to do more with our approach uh, going more nationwide, being a little bit more aggressive uh, in the summers, trying to, to uh, do more assessment of sophomores and juniors, uh, reaching out and contacting them, getting them in the pipeline. So we've got a really good system. It's one that Coach Bloom uh, brought from Stanford and has obviously worked pretty well for them over the years. And so, um, you know, I, I think I, I'd like to like to say that I, I – I don't pay as much attention to the recruiting rankings as I do to our results, but obviously there's reason given um, how we've done last year and this year to be optimistic for our competitive future based on how we've recruited. Number three uh, is even an amended question because um, we were given these questions yesterday. Today, the ACC also joins the Big Ten considering a proposal that would eliminate the one-year waiting period uh, for transfers. Uh, Do you feel this is in the athlete's best interest? Uh, Do you think it would increase the practice of poaching an athlete from smaller programs uh, to other major schools? What's probably not well known is that this is already allowed, except in football, men's Mm -hmm. basketball, women's basketball, baseball, and hockey. We don't obviously have hockey. So four of our 16 sports uh, don't allow this. The other 12 do where you can go and transfer and be immediately eligible. So I think there's this notion out there in the public that everybody has to sit a year. It's actually not true. It's these sports. So then the question becomes, well, why do these sports have to sit? You know, and I think that probably the obvious answer to everybody is because they make money. And, you know, is that really the reason that you want to have a year in residence? You know, is that, is that what we're about? I tend to think that these things flow both ways. I mean, we've had you know, high-impact transfer student-athletes like Nancy Mulkey, Erica Gumake, Igor Kulichev, who've come in here because they weren't having the experience that they wanted at their previous institution, you know, for whatever reason, and we've benefited from that. You know, will we have student-athletes who leave here because they think that there's, you know, a bigger platform or stage where they can play and showcase their talents? Sure. But it does flow both ways. And so it's not completely like you're getting robbed on one end and you're not backfilling on the other. So the question is, is there some balance in that? Um, I'm an advocate of, of one rule, uniform rule for all sports. Number four, final question to ask the AD. The continuing success of the uh, women's volleyball and basketball programs gives Rice unprecedented momentum to become a long-term powerhouse in the sport. What steps is the athletic department taking to capitalize on this success in staffing, recruiting, scheduling to position the sports as an elite program nationwide? Well, I, first of all, um, 
you know, the, the repeated success of both volleyball and basketball has been uh, very, very encouraging. So, you know, these are not one-year blips. Uh, volleyball, we saw them win a conference championship two years ago. They came back even stronger uh, this last year, and we expect them to be really, really good next year as well. And basketball, uh, you know, last year everybody remembers the magical 28-4 and four season. Uh, and even though we've lost a couple of conference games this year, we are still a really strong team and expect to be a very, very strong team moving forward. I think in terms of each of those, as you think about staffing, having continuity in your staff is really, really important. So making sure that, you know, that our coaches feel that they have the resources and tools uh, at their disposal to, uh, to do what they want to do and to really keep us competitive is, is key. Uh, we want to keep our great coaches here. So... Uh, capitalizing on that, I think we are capitalizing on that. Um, you're, you're, you want to position your assistant coaches so they have opportunities to become head coaches and not assistants some other place. And you know, right now we've had continuity in our assistant coaching staffs on both mm -hmm. sides, and that's that's very important to us. From a recruiting standpoint, it's really seeding a national recruiting strategy mm -hmm. for both both programs, and we've been doing that for a while. We never want that to be an impediment. If there are talented student athletes that can do the work here at Rice, we want them here, and we want our coaches to have the resources and tools ready to go get them. Scheduling is really on a year-to-year -year basis and depends more on what are the particular strengths of our team you know, and how, how do we best position ourselves for that at-large bid like we had this year in volleyball. We tried to do it in women's basketball this year. It didn't really work out for us with mm -hmm. some of the Power 5 programs that we played. But that's a, that's a strategy we want to employ moving forward. And then all the other stuff, you know, sports performance, nutrition, healthcare, making sure that all the things that people don't see on a day-to-day -day basis, we're doing a really, really good job of that. Well, it just hit me. We're wrapping up our first episode of the second decade of the podcast. So, so what's the, it's not V2C2, V2P2? <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> hey, you're in charge. I, we'll go with we can, that. We can do it. <laughs> hey, uh, I know it's a, a busy stressful time of year for us. Heck, it's stressful for you all uh, 12 months of the year, but uh, we'll see you at the park, at the yard, all around, and uh, thanks for the time. Again, always love it. Yeah, thank you, JP. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate it. Stay tuned. Um, we'll have more information, riceowls.com, and we want to see you out at a game.